Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. And I'm Mazmetics. Happy new week to both of us. Yeah, it's it feels like it's already been a long week. We keep saying that, but like this is the time of year. <laughs> yeah. Well, our days just got shorter. Yeah. So we are in the U.S. where we do this stupid thing called daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just did, we reversed daylight savings time right. this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though we gained an hour... I still hate it. Yeah, I feel like it robs us of an hour, though, because the sun goes down at like four o'clock now. Right. So by the time I'm leaving the office, the day feels mm-hmm. like it's done because the yeah. sun is setting. So I start getting tired like really fast. So it's really messing my whole life up right, right. now. Well, and like your body doesn't know right. that the t- the clock has changed. So it's still like, like right now we're recording at 3.15. Mm-hmm. It feels like 4.15. Yeah. We should be home. Yeah. We should be done with this nonsense by now. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it takes like weeks to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing about time change, have you seen these online? Like I'm seeing more memes and more videos about people saying their poor dogs are so confused because they think it's dinner time and they're like, no, it's not for an hour. And I'm yeah. like, asshole, feed your dog. I know. I was about to say, just feed them. It's Slowly fine. transition them to the time, the new time, if it's that important. But yeah. if they're sitting there looking at you like... Isn't it dinner time? They're right. Yeah. It is dinner time. Right. Feed them their food. Yeah. Just like shift it by like 10 minutes a day until one week later you're at the new time. Exactly. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I I hate that. Or they're like, well, we have to get them on the schedule. I'm like, but they're not people. You can't explain what's going on. Right. So just feed them like half or something. I don't know. Like this is such a dick move. Let them transition. (laughs) Yeah. Don't just like, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. This is the way it is. Especially with puppies. Benjamin Franklin said so. Yeah. Fuck that guy. What did he ever do for us? Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I hate that, especially with dogs. Like if, if a dog looks mildly inconvenient, I'll do whatever they want. So I can't even imagine. <laughs> okay. Well, that, I mean, that's not good either. You and my no. husband have that in common. And uh, that's also not good for the dog. Uh, but- <laughs> yeah, I know. I Like when I had dogs, I was the person where Alex is like, okay, they can't be on the bed. I'm like, you got it. And then as soon as he left, I was like, onto the bed, my babies. So yeah, yes. I was, yeah, I was that. Parent. Oh yeah. We tried to be those those dog dads for a little while and we just failed yeah well because it's puppy snugs are the best they're warm we do love them yeah yeah. and is it a little bit gross sure i'm fine with that animals are a little bit gross it's Mm -hmm. just you kind of that's part of the package right you have to deal with it exactly i yeah i fully agree animal Mm -hmm. pets are a little bit gross yeah that just comes with it but they're worth it Mm -hmm. yeah so what are you working on so still working on wild contracts, but it is, it is NaNoWriMo month or NaNoWriMo? 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 Yeah. National Novel Wrapping Month? <laughs> That's the other one. Oh my God. I'd be so good at just wrapping up books. Right? I love gift wrapping. Yeah. I'm bad at it. So I would politely opt out of that one, mm. but NaNoWriMo. You're, you're I need a, yeah, I need another <laughs> cup of coffee, apparently. Yeah, so I, I tried. I failed immediately. But okay. I was like, okay, this year, I'm not going to like officially do it, but I'm going to try to write like 1,500 words a day on the, the current thing I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. I got two days into it, and then I didn't write yesterday. So, you know, it happens. But I like that's my new thing now is I'm like, okay, I, I've been a little bit too lax about writing every single day because mm-hmm. I've been – giving myself way too much leeway, I think, because I've just been really tired and overworked and shit. So I'm like, okay, no, we're going to try to sit down and do at least minimum is 500 words. If I can hit 15 gold star. Yeah. So, but I'm going to restart that again today. I even downloaded a new like schedule app thing on my phone. And uh, like 
charted out my whole day on like what I'm going to do, like when I'm going to sit down for dinner, when I'm going to sit down to write. Like I'm trying to take this super seriously this month. Good. And you so, have Alex's support in doing this. Yes. Good. He has the same app. So we're both like, this is when we're going to sit down to do things. Like this is when we're having dinner, like way structured. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Because I do find like you need everyone in the household to be on board yeah. for those types of goals. Right. Because so. otherwise it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You both have to prioritize you're getting work done. Yes. Otherwise it'll be like, oh, there are these other things or I didn't want to talk to you. Or, mm-hmm. or they're like, do you not want to watch a movie? I'm like, of course mm-hmm. I want to watch a movie, but like I got to right. get words down. Right. Why are you tempting me with yeah. other shit? So, so yeah, well, that's like, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am certain that NaNoWriMo is great for mm-hmm. certain types of people who yeah. think a certain type of way, uh, like that deadline and the excitement of knowing you're doing it with other people and you can have accountability buddies and yeah. you can update your progress and people can see how you're doing. Yeah. I'm sure that is motivational to a certain segment of the population mm-hmm. for whom NaNoWriMo is a great success. Yeah. Does it stress you out? This was like year 15 where I was like, I think I'll do it. And on November 2nd, I was like, well, I guess I'm not doing it. Yeah, I I think it's, it's, I don't know. I I used to be the person that was like, I I love the communal thing. Like when I was in college, like in my twenties, I would go to those big meetups and like sit Mm. with a bunch of strangers. I don't know and do this writing thing. It was great. But now it feels like unnecessary pressure on myself. So I'll like, if, Mm. if I don't contribute to that little bar, I just start getting more anxious and weird about it. Right. And I'm like, what changed? (laughs) Why can't I channel like 25 year old me and be like super into it now? Well, maybe because that was in person. Yeah. And now it's online. Yeah. Maybe Maybe we should start a NaNoWriMo group up here. That would be fun. uh, Up in the great white north of Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, see if there are other people who just want to get together like at a certain place and time every day. That would be cool. For like an hour or two and just be like, yeah, Yeah. we're all going to come together and uh, introvert at each other mm-hmm. for a couple hours and just sit quietly just and sit write. Quietly, yeah. That's perfect. We don't have to talk. That's fine. Yeah. Just being that like communal creative space. Yeah. I'd probably be, I'd be better at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just knowing that there was like a place I had to be at a certain time. Yeah. Every day structured to do that. Yeah. That is kind of cool. Cause yeah. And I think we've talked about that before that that's, that's how my brain works is mm-hmm. like going to the same place at the same time every day is what allows me to get stuff done. Yeah. Without distractions. Right. Like it couldn't be at home. Yeah, so. no, if I'm at home, it's that's the worst. Right. Like I I will find a million things I could be doing mm-hmm. instead, which are not important. No. Like do I need to I don't know, clean the baseboards right now? No. I can do that later when right. I'm not supposed to be writing, but I want to do that now instead of get my mm-hmm. work done. So Yeah. Maybe I mean we could even host it here in the office. Ooh. We that'd have be like fun. a few desks, we yeah. have this table. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Something okay. to think about. Yeah. Let us know if you lived nearby, <laughs> is this a thing you would do? Would you go to a stranger's office <laughs> I mean, or I meet up in a cafe yeah. uh, just to have somebody else to be doing NaNoWriMo with? I think like a communal, if, if it was me, I probably wouldn't go to a private office because I'm like a lady and I just assume everyone's trying to kill me all the time. Sure. So like a cafe or a library or something, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I'd do that. Yeah. So. To be fair. 
just so people know, I'm not trying to lure people into a private office. It is a, it is very private, but it is yeah. in a public it building. It is in a public building. I guess I did <laughs> insinuate that we're in like some shady area right, or something. Yeah. No, we're not. It's a we're, very nice open we're place. We're in a public building of lots of offices. <laughs> yeah. Lots of other people are in the building, mm-hmm. just not in these specific rooms. Right. Um, which That's would be fair. quiet and private for people to use yes. for writing. Yes. Uh, where the doors would be unlocked and windows would be open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. it, would, it would feel safe and inviting. It wouldn't yes. be terrifying. That's a little asterisk next to my statement. But yes, let's yeah. just make that yeah, very clear. Cl- crystal clear. That was not Maz secretly telling you that she's trapped here. <laughs> Help me. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, probably going to get us banned on YouTube probably or something. Demonetized. Like, so we're going to send the cops to check on Maz. <laughs> right. She gave us the warning sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but any, anyway, anyway. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Um, this week, I was a Russian dragon okay. for a couple days. Love it. So that was book two in the Sam Burns and W.M. Fox series that I'm doing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So that, uh, <laughs> they're, they're just sweet little nuggets of stories, too. Yeah. And I'm only doing half the book because I'm co-narrating. So that's, right. uh, that's always Always fun when it's like, oh, I did a whole book in two days. And it's Woo. like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you did, you half? did half the <laughs> book. But, but it still, it feels good to. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just cross something off a list and be like, for I sure. scheduled two days for that. I took two days to do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. On schedule as, as intended. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Awesome. So that was. That was nice to cross off the list. Uh, and now I move on to uh, a different fantasy, urban fantasy series, Sweet. romance, co-narration. <laughs> so they're really, they stacked up. Oh, Podium okay. Audio is really good. They're, they're giving me a lot of work in November. So. Hey, all right. Yeah. So I'll we'll move on to the next one after today. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, as we've said with a lot of the authors that we were talking to in these interviews, like fantasy is fun. Yeah, it really so, is. It's a blast. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. So uh, we also, we need to get them on the podcast. The Podium Audio people? No, the uh, uh, Sam Burns and WM Fox. Oh, yeah. I need to make a note because I keep meaning to like poke one of them and ask if they're busy. So yeah. Make a note is that a business them. term, poking somebody? Yeah. You don't, you don't use that in corporate life? <laughs> I haven't, but yeah. I haven't been in corporate life for a while. Yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend it. I'm just being a shit. Don't use that in an email. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to I'm just poking you. They're going to be like, HR? Yeah. <laughs> please don't let her contact me anymore, please. Uh, I just want to remind people uh, that we currently have out right now uh, both Gardens and Ghosts by Mathematics mm-hmm. and Prisoner by Gigi DeGram, our first two audiobooks for Hoof and Fang Audio. They are available on our uh, online store, which you can get to through our website. Um, and we are looking for help with our January pick. Yes. So we already know our December pick. We haven't released it. We're not talking about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still excited about Prisoner here in uh early November and Mm -hmm. then we'll be excited for eternal sin in late November. Yes. (laughs) Um, But we have had just like some great responses and we have four really strong contenders that like, we really like these projects. Mm -hmm. We just need to know from our audience what excites you the most. Yeah. Kind of guide us in the direction. Like which one is like singing to you. Yeah, exactly. What's speaking to you now in this moment in time. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be clear, this is not like a, the winner of the poll 
is the only book we'll produce. Right. Like we yeah. still like all of them. Mm-hmm. So if you are really feeling one uh, over the others and it's not winning the poll, that's fine. Hey, let us know about it. Cause we're, this is really, we're just trying to get feedback and yeah. like get people excited for the possibility of these books coming to audio. So rally your troops and yeah, let us know. For sure. um, so you can check out what those four books are. And read more about them by going to hoofandfangpodcast.com forward slash audio poll, one word, uh, and you can see the titles, the book covers, and read a synopsis of each book. Uh, Real quickly, I will just let you know that the titles are Between the Lines by Meredith Spies, Spark and Tether by Lillian Zenzi. That's a book that's actually not even scheduled to release until January. Ooh, okay. So it would be coming out in January, and the audio would follow a couple weeks later. Very cool. Uh, Three Meant to Be by M.N. Bennett, and X Marks the Spot by Kit Berry. So uh, four really cool fantasy, urban fantasy, cozy magic. Yeah, adventure. Yeah, like they're they're all very different, um, but they all appeal to us as options. Yeah. So they're all fun. Yeah. Like it was fun when we were going through all the options, we picked the ones we were like, these are just epic, yeah, like yeah. just interesting and fantastic. Like we have so many cool entries. Yes. So there's way more to come, but like right. these in particular are like, okay, like you're vibing with them to narrate. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's they really work cool. well in the, the mix of other books that we were already doing, which yeah. is a part of like how we're thinking too. Right. Trying um, to do something kind of like a we, little bit different each time. Right. So yeah. that it, it's, it doesn't feel like we're doing the same thing each time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, go check out that poll. Let us know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you're not already a member of our Patreon to vote in the poll, you will have to join, mm-hmm. but you can join for free. Yeah. You that don't have to do any of the is still there. Exactly. So if you're not ready to jump onto one of the paid ones, you can at least come and voice your opinion and right. And right. Be part of the community. So absolutely. And you can keep an eye then on what's coming out when, mm-hmm. and I, I keep saying this to people and maybe I should stop. Um, the best deal on buying these audiobooks is to sign up for the Patreon at the mm-hmm. $10 level and then just remember to cancel your subscription. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause then you got the book for 10 bucks. Mm hmm. So yeah, it's the way to go. Um, but, you know, if you don't want to worry about the hassle of remembering to turn off that subscription, just go to our online store and buy them. Yeah. Uh, either way, we have we're options. Happy. Yeah. 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 Uh, so let's talk about sex. Let's, I almost sang that verse and I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it. But because we can't afford it. Yes, we can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good topic. Like when I, when we were discussing kind of what we wanted to talk about and you pitched this one, I was like, I'm actually shocked we didn't come out the gate with this one because this is yeah. <laughs> such a part of both of our worlds right. so much. Like right. it's a question we get asked in conventions and like weirdly so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of, I think because of the genre that we work in, people expect us to just be, I don't know, fiends or something or Sex just fiends. Yeah. Or like just yeah. really open about things like mm-hmm. it's, weird or that it's like our favorite part right yeah yeah it's um so obviously what we're talking about is sex in novels in novels we're not going to be sharing any details of our personal sex lives (laughs) Yeah. no sorry uh nor do we recommend that you ask us about them in public yeah Uh, i've had that happen it wasn't fun (laughs) so don't do that yeah i know it's happened to you it has not happened to me yet but i feel like it's just it's a matter of time like it will happen and i've got my answer ready Mm -hmm. to go but like 
I remember because I think I was in the audience when you were asked because you were yeah. on a panel and I was yeah. like, oh my God. So yeah, people just, just assume it's right something you're cool about right. talking yeah. about. And you're like, no. Well, and the thing is, I am cool talking about it, mm-hmm. but not to a group of strangers. No. Like, let's just remember that sometimes you have boundaries mm-hmm. uh, that uh, with people you don't know that well, you have some boundaries sure. that pro- that may not exist uh, if you get to know me better. Right. We may become friends and we can have a more open and honest discussion. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. So not, this is about sex in the books that we write right. and the books that we narrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what was your relationship to like romance novels or like erotic stories before you started writing them? So I didn't really read a ton of them early on. Like it wasn't until geez, like 2016 or something that I actually picked up a actual romance mm-hmm. novel it was typically like if i picked up a book and it had sex and i usually faded to black because i was reading like game of well game of thrones doesn't flip fade to black because that shit was ridiculous but mm-hmm. i i didn't seek out like romancers like erotic books or anything mm-hmm. but then when i got into um i think it was straight romance at first and i was like it was fun it was fine but then when i got into mm romance that's when i was like oh this is awesome like right. this is interesting and i really like it And at first with those sex scenes, they were, I hadn't read them before. So they were interesting and like, Ooh, you know, Mm -hmm. and like enticing. And it like, it just was totally different and fun. And I like, I, that's when I, I wasn't as really picky about the genre. Like now I'm like, I'm pretty picky. Like I have to be in the mood for like a certain type of trope or whatever. But at the time I was like, I would literally read everything because it was new and shiny and and the sex scenes were interesting and crazy Mm -hmm. and i was willing to be like oh this is a weird kink thing i don't know about that i'll read that you know now i'm like i know what that is (laughs) (laughs) no thank you (laughs) or or, yes please or whatever so yeah but yeah what about you uh i would say i had zero relationship with romance novels prior to working in romance novels and i didn't even know that's what i was doing when i started (laughs) that's great (laughs) well if you think about it so uh TJ Clune's Wolf Song, right. the very first audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I the way I remember it is there was no indication that this was an MM romance story. Right. In the blurb that they gave me mm-hmm. when I was auditioning for that book. Yeah. And if you remember the original cover, it does not in any way indicate that it is a romance. Right. Uh, and the blurb is all about how, you know, t- Ox meets this young kid who's really interesting and his family has a secret. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, you know, like I may have vaguely understood that it was going to be paranormal in some way. Sure. I had no idea I was signing up for a romance. Yeah. But because it was so well-written and the characters were so well-formed and the story was so great, I didn't have an issue with it other than I really did have to sit with it for a moment as I got to that chapter. Yep. And I had to ask myself, do I ever want to go into politics? That's a fair question. Like I had to really sit and think with it for a few minutes and be like, is that an ambition that perhaps I have? Mm -hmm. Because I need to figure that out right now. Yep. Otherwise I need to stop recording this book. That's fair. Uh, And I just kind of came to the conclusion that like, nope, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I don't ever need to be a politician. So yeah, here we go. Um, But I also, I was a youth minister. I was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm pretty conservative area. Uh, Sex was not something I talked about with ease. It was not something I wanted to talk about with other people. Um, There was also, I think, a lot of shame 
uh, tied to being gay. And mm-hmm. so like gay sex, dirty, you, oh no. Right. Um, so in that regard, like it really took me by surprise when I got to that, when I was like reading through it for the first time, I was like, yeah, okay, they are growing up and I think I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. And oh boy. It went there. It sure did. It sure did. It took me by surprise because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting, I, I had hoped they would end up together, you know, right. and uh, spoiler, they end up together. I don't, right. I'm yeah. hoping at this point. came out in 2016. Yeah, I'm hoping at this point, if you're and listening or aware. it's re-released for over a year. Right. Right. But yeah, that, that one particular chapter, I was like, oh my God, that got spicy fast. Yeah. Like, and it's, I mean, luckily the very, very end, because I, I think it kind of needed to be because mm-hmm. of the level that it was. I was going to say, nothing happens until like chapter 19. Right. Which is like. 15 hours into the audio yeah like it takes a long time it. to get there yeah uh but once you're there it takes a long time mm-hmm. like it's a whole ass chapter yep uh and so and so yeah I, I had that moment where i had to kind of be like am i okay with this yes i'm okay with this mm-hmm. i'm okay with this being a part of my life and yep. i didn't know about pseudonyms then so i was like i'm okay putting my name on it yeah i think that's the extra layer i have is that i my real well now it is because i have mm. a podcast but um, at the time I, I wasn't attached to it, so I can right. be as filthy as I wanted to. It didn't matter. Right. But yeah, now, I mean, now I mean my family, I, I'm in a unique privileged situation where I didn't have to worry about like my family finding out I wrote it. They're mm-hmm. very supportive and stuff. So, but I, I can understand that other people who have to keep it separated because of that. That's yeah. I can't imagine that would right. be nerve wracking. Yeah. So. so how do you feel about writing sex scenes now? 15 books in. So now it's, a chore which is hysterical Mm -hmm. like they it's i can write fight scenes no problem i love banter but when it comes to sex scenes i have more than once like been chipping away at this because you have to like paint the picture you have to make sure you hit all five senses you have to like make sure positions make sense or like it doesn't sound too cheesy or come up with another word for Mm -hmm. dick like it's just it's tough so I'll be crafting the scene and Alex will walk in and see if I want something to eat or something. And I'm like rubbing my temples and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like this fucking sex scene. <laughs> like, I just want to be done with it. So I can like do something else. And he's like, okay. <laughs> but I'm like, you don't understand. It's tough. Right. But yeah, now it's very rarely. Am I like excited to do the sex scene? Like it's important to the characters and if it's a romance or they're, you know, in, at least in my mm-hmm. books, I like there to be sex scenes, but yeah, it can, it can be kind of grueling, <laughs> now, which is, I don't know. I I feel like hopefully a lot of other authors feel that way. I'm not outing myself as a hack right now, but I don't know. I mean, you can't be the only one, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm sure on the flip side of that coin, I'm sure there are authors for whom it is the most fun and exciting part. Sure. Which I can see because it's mm-hmm. like all the things I just mentioned. You've got to craft the scene and sometimes you can get really immersed into it and it's interesting and exciting and, right. you know, thrilling and stuff. But most of the time, I'm just like, oh my God. Because especially 15 books into it, I feel like I've done a lot. So I don't want to try to do something somebody else has already done, like a different couple. So I try to do something a little different, but then mm. I run out of like a ton of ideas. I mean, there are it's only tough. so many combinations. Yeah. You know, so. without it being classified as like a certain type of kink or something. Right. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not writing those kind of books. So I'm like, well, God, you know, mm-hmm. I could, it's kind of hard to not repeat yourself after 15 books. Well, I, I think at this point you just have to accept that you're going to repeat yourself. Yeah. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I um I have such a different relationship with the scenes now than when I first did because yeah. at first I was like I mean just I mean red faced I'm sure I I'm sure I could have burned a hole oh dude through I can't imagine like 
uh, at least like a, a thin tissue. Mm-hmm. Like if it, had, if it had touched my face, it just would have like disintegrated because I was so red reading yeah. these things at first. And now it is the easiest part of my job. Really? Oh God. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah. Like sex scenes and action scenes are the easiest things to narrate because it's okay. all about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so the, there's not a lot of subtext in those scenes. Okay. There's not a lot of dialogue in those scenes. Yeah. Um, it's basically just like, Action to action to action to action to action. Sure. When it comes to my job as a narrator, that's the easiest thing to do is yeah. when there isn't those more, uh, you know, subtexty, actory right. things that I have to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like when I'm prepping, I get to a sex scene. I'm like, oh, great. It's a sex scene. What's next? Yeah. I was like, I don't even need to pre-read the sex scenes because I know. Yeah. I got that. Yeah. I got that. Easy. So, yeah. At this point, they couldn't throw something at me that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm not worried about there being some word in there I've never heard before. Right. And I need to look up. And if it happens, okay, I'll look it up when I'm narrating. Like, <laughs> sure, yeah. But like so far that ha- I've never regretted skipping a sex scene in the prep because it's just like, oh, and now they have sex. Next chapter. Right. So, yeah, my relationship with sex scenes now is like, God, they're so e-. like, yeah, please just give me a book full of sex scenes. It's <laughs> so like it's the easiest part. That's hysterical. That makes sense because yeah. um, it's. I mean, it is emotional, but not in the same way. Like it's, yeah, it's, right. you're, you're really not going to have to think that hard. No, 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 no. I mean, seriously, somebody write me the book. That's just like street fighter porn, street fighter porn. Cause like action scenes and sex scenes. Yeah. So simple. Man. And I think there's an audience for that. I was about to say, like, I mean, you're joking, but that sounds kind of badass. Right? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'd read that. Yeah. It'd have to be done well. I mean, let's be well, real. Course, but every, like, everything that we want to see should be done well. Yeah. But like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty mm-hmm. badass. I can get yeah. into that. <laughs> Do you remember what it was like your very, very first time writing a sex scene? I don't know if I super remember it. I, I'm sure it was. Cause I, I remember when I was writing heartache and hoofbeats, I was, I, I downloaded, um, romance, the beat or mm-hmm. another type of romance craft book. And that's where I learned like, you need to make sure you're hitting all the five senses to really be an immersive sex scene because they're so important for romance books and right. things. So I remember, I think it was easier then because it was new and like interesting. And I, I had just come off the heels of like, I don't know, binging like 400 romance right. books in like two years or more. I don't know. But n- now I think I, I get a little bit more in my head about it because I'm trying to like every time I write, I try to do something a little bit different or like up my craft or something. Mm -hmm. But back then I was literally like, this is a book about cowboy centaurs. I'm just going to do it and not care and just have fun. So I think I was probably a little bit more just like filthy and ridiculous about it and just kind of rolled with it and had fun. Um, So I don't know, maybe I should try to channel that next time and just be like, don't try to make it poetry. Just, enjoy it and who cares exactly so um as you were talking about that i realized i might have lied a little bit oh yeah and saying that i had no relationship to romance books i really didn't have any relationship to romance books Mm -hmm. but i did have a relationship to erotica okay because again being a young gay man trying to find gay content that Mm -hmm. isn't just porn right um one of the things I did find is they had these like anthologies, these short story collections that were gay erotica. Oh, cool. Uh, and I think like this is before like male male romance really took off and there was more story attached to it. There yeah. were just these short stories that were just like hot and heavy, but mm-hmm. they were recorded in audio. Oh, cool. Not well. Oh, like, <laughs> 
Maybe like, not cool. Yeah. It's, it's really good that I did not internalize how those were narrated as like how one should narrate yeah. because I'd be screwed. <laughs> um, but I did because I was a salesman and I was traveling long trips. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was like, oh, the thing that'll keep me awake the most is this erotica collection. Right. It's like, that'll be interesting. Sure. You know, uh, it's nine o'clock and I have two more hours to drive and I've been driving all day. I'm like, mm-hmm. we might as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that was, I, I, I do have to admit. So I had at least that much yeah. connection to written sexual stories. Fair enough. Uh, before I actually started narrating. Uh, but even then, I mean, I had to be like 25, 26 by the mm. time I even found that. Yeah. Because they're just, there, yeah. I mean, there were not any sexually explicit gay movies, gay TV shows. Like, this is probably right as Queer as Folk was coming out, if not before then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. uh, any sort of media that dealt with gay sexuality in an unashamed way mm-hmm. was pretty sparse. Yeah. And that's what I found was, right. were those short story collections. I'd be curious to know if anybody else had uh, like had those. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure know? somebody's got to. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. That's, so, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I don't think this will probably ever happen to you, but there is a unique terror that comes with listening to an MM romance book in your car and then taking it for an oil oh, change or something. Sure. Yep. That shit has happened to me yeah. at least three times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which I, so I had this shitty phone. And I, when I had my job at 911, I had this car that was a piece of crap. And it was like the AC broke. I didn't have a radio. I think one of the doors didn't lock anymore. <laughs> and so I would listen to audiobooks with my headphones in on my phone with the windows down when it's 105 outside. Mm-hmm. And I would get to work and have to immediately go into the bathroom to change because I sweat through my all my clothes by the time I got there. Wow. So I just got out of changing, walked into the meeting room because we had to get there to like do a powwow before we Mm -hmm. could go sit down and my phone i unplugged the headset and that it just initiated it to start playing and so it was of course right in the middle of a spicy scene because that's my luck and so i'm sitting in a police boardroom with all of my coworkers and cops and it just starts gaying out as hard (laughs) as it can and so of course since i'm like flustered and panicked i just ran out like i just just took off running and then like had to figure out how to like turn it off and turn it down and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and just ran. So like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, why? What? And I was like, I will never do this again. I like uh-huh. make sure everything's right. shut off before I get out of the car. But yeah. See, at Ooh. that point I'd want to stick around long enough so that they know it's a book right. and not a movie. That, you know? Yeah. No, I just didn't answer any questions. So I got back. Yeah. I was like, no, plead the fifth. You can't yeah. ask me any questions. Now. Yeah, I do. I, because I do uh, now listen to, uh, gay romance largely is research at this point. I yeah. want to know what my peers are doing and, and how they approach the work. And I have to be, I want to listen to their performances. Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, so I always, when I take my car in for an oil change or the car wash where they take the car away from me, I always make <laughs> yeah. sure the radio is off. Yeah. Not paused. Yeah. Not turned not, down. Not turned down. Off. Off. The yep. radio is off. Yep. And then I'll t- go into my phone and I turn the Bluetooth off. Yep. That's what I do now too. Just so, like scorch earth situation. I just situation. want to be very sure that that doesn't happen. Although yeah. when I, just when I flew to Virginia, I was listening to a book and I realized when I got to Virginia that like the book was like two hours further along than where I had left it. Oh no. And I was like, 
this thing must have been playing in my pocket on the airplane. Oh, oh my God. But an airplane is so loud. Yeah. They're probably like, I didn't hear it. Nobody around me was giving me weird looks as yeah. far as I knew. John was right next to me. He didn't say anything. Oh, okay. You're but probably like, fine. Almost certainly, as soon as I took my AirPods out, this thing started just playing playing a book. And I'm yeah. sure there were some spicy scenes that happened. Of and yeah, who, kno- knew. who knows? Like, yeah. Who knows who heard that or where it was ha- being heard? It's great. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's it still happens to me. Yeah. Um, do you find that having now done this work for as long as you have, 15 books, all these years, do you have a different relationship to talking about sex? I think so. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of helped me one, not be as like squeamish about it. Cause I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've been writing it and reading it and I have friends who write it and things like that. And it's also just made me a little bit more accepting of things. Cause I have so many friends who write like really specific kinks and things mm-hmm. that I didn't know about, like right. didn't even know that like as much about the community as I do now. So now I'm just, I don't know, way more relaxed about it. It doesn't bother me as much. Like yeah. there's, Nothing that somebody could say at this point that they're that they do or that they're into that I would be not not horrified because I don't think I was ever horrified, but just kind of nervous, I don't know, nervous yeah, or prudish like, about yeah, maybe prudish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I I learned about like puppy play through books and I'd never seen it in real life mm-hmm. until um, Jess got married and I went to a gothic club and I was the only sober person there. I was the uh, I almost said D and D. Wow, <laughs> I was the DD. So, you know, everybody else was crazy drunk and, uh, it was one of those nights where people were just, it was a Gothic club. So that tends to happen. So then somebody brought in like their puppy, he was in his full thing and I was like, Oh, cool. And like, you know, five years prior to that, I'd have been like, what is happening? Right. What is that? I don't understand. And I'm going to stare, you know what I mean? Now I'm not that person. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of acceptance I think that comes with knowledge. Yeah. Like once you under, once you know it, Mm -hmm. um, I shouldn't say understand because you might, you might not personally relate to it. It might not be a kink for you. Sure. Uh, but I think once you know that like sane human beings do this Mm -hmm. and it's just a kink and it's fine. Yeah. And nobody's getting hurt and everyone's consenting. Exactly. Then, yeah. Yeah. It's enjoy yourselves. Exactly. I was just like, great. This mm-hmm. is cool. It just, right. just, it was normal to me. Right. And I think that that is deeply important because right. that shit should be normal. It just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Like you said, they're just average people living their lives, just doing stuff. Right. Everyone's consenting. Okay. Doing something that makes them happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they found a partner who it also makes them happy. And isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, uh, Doing this work um, and also specifically doing work for TJ Klune, uh and, and meeting his fans. And I did that whole podcast. It's called the Clunatics podcast. If you want to go listen to it, it's 19 episodes all about TJ Klune and his fans. <laughs> um, we did a whole episode about uh, asexuality. Mm-hmm. And like TJ Klune is who introduced me to the concept of asexuality. Mm-hmm. And like in, in the spectrum of things that one could do, could be exposed to that was new for me, yeah. you know, and I probably would have been less shocked by something like puppy play <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. or BDSM practices or something like that. Cause I at least had some concept that like those were out there and like mm-hmm. people got dirty, right. you know, in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but the fact that there were people who were predisposed to not liking sex, I was mm-hmm. like, wait, what? That's yeah. a thing? Yeah. Um, or like demisexuality mm-hmm. or different levels of monogamy and polyamory. It's right. like, it, 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 even outside of like specific sexual practices, I think the thing that my mind has been opened up to the most is just that like, there's no wrong way to be a sexual being. Yeah. And that includes choosing not to be. Right. Yeah. That's that. I think I'm right there with you because I I wasn't as familiar with it until TJ and those books and Mm -hmm. and just understanding it. And I've got a ton of author friends now who have. After I met them, came out as ace and things. Yeah. So it's. I think a lot of people realized that's what they were. Yeah. You know, like, like, oh, yeah, I've just been always like told I have a low sex drive, Mm -hmm. maybe even shamed for it. Yeah, that's you know, or like feel guilty about it mm-hmm. uh, or made fun of for it, you know, and especially yeah. women who I feel like are often denigrated for not having a high sex drive. And it's right. like, hey, we all have different levels. Yeah. And sometimes they change, too. Like, I think we probably all go through phases of being a little more ace than others. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, or different phases of like needing to need needing to have more of like a personal connection to the person that you want to have mm-hmm. sex with, you know? Yeah. Uh, and some people don't need that. They can enjoy sex as sex and yeah. they just have fun. Right. Uh, and again, as long as they're safe and everybody's consenting, like God bless. Yeah, exactly. Go have fun. Yeah. There's, there's... nothing wrong with having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, as long as nobody's getting hurt. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's amazing how these fun little romance stories have kind of helped not only broaden our, our understanding of the sexual spectrum, but help people just, figure out their own labels of things. Like I have a very close uh, male friend of mine who's very much a like alpha male dude, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember us having a conversation about how he was like, I really have to like get to know this woman before I really like feel like I'm like connected to them. And I was like, Oh, are you familiar with Demi? And he of course had no idea. So I explained, he was like, Oh, well that I like, yeah, that's me. Like Mm -hmm. I can't just go meet random women, even though it's kind of expected because he's, you know, macho dude. He's like, I really am not into it unless like, like I like them. Unless I, can, I have an emotional connection. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're in, you're in, you know, that's normal. That's a, mm-hmm. that's, there's a term for that. Right. And he was like, that's cool. Cause now he's, he can explain that now when he's looking for partners, how that's an important thing. Right. He's not, you know. And that's why cool. those, the, that language is important yeah. still at this point in time, mm-hmm. because there is still so much judgment or assumptions tied to sexuality yeah. that like we need words to be able to explain who we are yeah. and how we interact mm-hmm. with sex and in relationships. Um, I am hoping someday, maybe even in our lifetimes, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Cause the norm will simply be open and honest conversations about sex. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and when you say what you like and what you don't like, your partner will just believe you. Yeah. Or they'll be and like, Oh, I understand what that is. Explained. Right. You know, it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the optimal result. So. I mean, really, yeah, you know, so, sure. uh, well, that was fun. Yeah. Nice. It's a, it's a good topic. I really like it. Cause mm-hmm. this, this is our world. Like we live in it mm-hmm. and it's, it's part of normal conversation and it's, I sometimes forget like, cause I'll, I'll talk to people who just don't have, aren't exposed yeah, to it. Aren't and, exposed and it happens so it. incrementally over time yeah. that like we probably, unless we have a moment like this where we stop and we look back, mm-hmm. uh, you probably forget how far you've come. Oh and, yeah. Like, how how differently one thinks about about sex and relationships yeah Um, but yeah i've certainly come a long way from uh catholic youth minister preaching abstinence to teenagers (laughs) yeah uh to where i am now where like 
I would never do that to a teenager, like Mm -hmm. an open, honest conversation about sex. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do that with any teenager, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but but, you know, Mm -hmm. I think parents should be having those conversations with their children. Yeah. Uh, And I, I hope that whoever's in charge of sex ed in their lives is having those conversations with those kids. Yeah. Uh, And if there was a young person who was a part of my life, and God, my God, kids are actually about to be that age where they're going to start needing those conversations. Oh, I'm so old. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that statement just made my back hurt. You know, like, I was like, oh my that's God. That's different. You yeah. know, like, so talk to a child you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. who trusts you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't just go talking to kids about sex. That'd be that, weird. Yeah, no, that puts you on a list, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so this week we're talking to an author who I'm sure is thrilled this was our topic of conversation. <laughs> We're talking to Nicole Bailey. Uh, she is a writer of diverse fantasy series based on worldwide mythology and folklore. Uh, and we had a great time chatting with her about that. Uh, when she's not writing, she's probably tucked behind a book on a hiking trail with friends, playing card games with her family, listening to musical theater, or wishing she was doing one of the above. This is our interview with Nicole Bailey. Nicole, welcome to Hoof and Fang. We're so happy to be speaking with you today. I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're we're really excited to chat about you and your work. Um, I know I reached out to you actually because I was just like scrolling through Amazon for like people who had cool covers and like books that we could talk about. <laughs> right. Because at a certain point, we've gone through all the people I've actually worked with. And I was like, well, now I got to reach out and find more people. Uh, um, yes. So congratulations on having beautiful covers that made me go, yes, please. Thank yeah. you. Stephanie like Saw is the designer of those covers and she did an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Sure. I love those. So I would love to hear just a little bit more about you, your background and how you got into writing. Um, so my background, I just went completely blank. <laughs> I have no background. <laughs> you existed before today. Yes. <laughs> amazing. Okay. Um, so my background is I minored in um, ancient mythology. I minored in English studies, but or majored in English studies, but I minored in mythology and specifically Asian studies, which my most popular book is not Asian at all. It's Greek, but (laughs) I am the oldest of 12 kids. That's not a misspeak. So I grew up reading stories to my younger siblings and a lot of fairy tale and mythology. And so I just really became very passionate for it. And I loved it. Um, I always wanted to write, but I was always kind of afraid to put myself out there. My editor actually just left me a note in a book I just sent her and she was like, I see you in this. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) delete it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I read um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert with a friend of mine and years ago and something about it, I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to write a book and see what happens. And um, so that's how I ended up writing. I just, I just did it. It was a very big, brave thing for me at the time. And now I'm just like, Mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> writing my 14th book. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm curious if you go to school for English with a minor in ancient mythology, what do you think you're going to be doing if not writing books about ancient mythology? My plan was <laughs> to get my doctorate and teach. Ah. I think that's what a lot of people who get an English degree plan to do, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Analyze other people's writing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. 
My husband is going through that right now, getting the doctorate to teach. Oh, my husband is too, actually. It is, well, actually, he doesn't plan to teach, but getting a doctorate. So mm. I'm sending you all the encouragement and love. Cause- Same, right back at you, because your, house, <laughs> your household is probably in this constant yeah. state of like a little bit of anxiety at all times. Oh I mean, it was to begin with. We just bumped it up, you know? <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, right. very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> And for the last year and a half, so I guess I'm jumping forward in this interview, but for the last year and a half, I've been researching because I'm writing um, a retelling of the Epic of Gilgamesh. So I've been researching ancient Mesopotamia and and all of that. And also just like things like queer history and everything, you know, ancient perspectives on things. So I feel like our household has been, we've just been really fun at parties lately. That's what we have to talk about. <laughs> I love that. I would enjoy talking. I was to about you. to say, that sounds like a house party that I meant to go to. Cause I'm definitely like, pers- that kind of person that'd be like, tell yeah. me everything. That sounds amazing. We would make great dinner mates then. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause I'd be like, sit down. There's so much. <laughs> Exactly. So you said your most popular book is about Greek mythology. Should we start That's there? Right. What is that book sure. and what is it about and what inspired you? So that book is A Bell of Gods and Kings. And it is the series is Apollo Ascending. It has four books. It's finished. And it is based on the Greek, the tragic Greek story of Apollo, the god of the sun, and the mortal prince Hyacinthus. And in the original story, there's two gods that's in love with Hyacinth because he was you know, apparently <laughs> he was all that, you know, yeah. a, he was all that for a mortal. And one of the gods gets jealous and kills him. So I actually had finished my first series and I was flipping through a book of mythology because I have those lying about. And <laughs> I flipped through this picture that had Apollo, just this beautiful young, you know, God, you know, just perfect holding the broken dying Prince Hyacinthus. And it was so tragic and sad. And I, I guess I was just like, wow, that's miserable. I must write that. <laughs> so, yeah. But that that was the inspiration. I saw the picture in the book and I was just like, has this been written? So then I Googled and did a lot of research. And at the time, there wasn't any fiction about it, really. There was like the odd short story and um, Rick Riordan mentions them in his books. Okay. But other than that, it wasn't out. I mean, there's a few more new ones now, which is great because it's a great story, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. When when was that book published? April of last year. Yeah. So Wait, like, you've written four more books since then? Yeah, I know. Wow. It's, that's awesome. It's tragic in a way. <laughs> no, I think that like, I obviously that it really spoke to you if you just like had to just brain vomit out and get those oh. stories done. That's amazing. Say some this of, is my surprised and impressed face. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Some of my writing of that book, I was just like emotionally throwing up. Like it just felt very channeled, you know, just like this has to come out. I don't know. Yeah, that that's a consider like I'm I'm a pretty slow writer. So I write like maybe three books a year. So you being able to knock out that many in one year to like finish a series. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. That's so cool. I am. I am a quick typer and my brain is always just running a hundred miles an hour with three things that has pros and cons, you know, (laughs) how much of the story is from history and how much is from you? That's a great question. Um, so the story is actually, it's actually originally from a poem. It's by Ovid and it's quite short. It's just a couple stanzas long. So 
I kept all of that original aspect of it. In fact, the um, jealous second God was actually an addition added later by another ancient poet. So I also added that in as well. The rest of the story I just built up and kind of, um, it's weird to say, I guess, but I feel like my characters exist already. I'm not trying to build them. I just let them, you know, be who they are going to be. (laughs) Sometimes they just run all over the place, but Anyway, so uh, it's four fiction books. The, the audiobook for the first one's like 10 hours long. So I guess it's 40 to 50 hours of content, and it came from two stanzas of poems. So I would say a great deal of it came from quite, my Quite mind. a bit of it was expanded <laughs> upon. For sure. Yes. <laughs> um, but I did pull a lot from like myths because there's other gods that show up in it. Of course, Zeus, but a lot of other gods, Artemis and other ones show up. So I pulled from lots of Greek mythology. And so the queerness of it came from the history, not just a desire right. to make it gay. Like, no, they, no. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but there are lots of like fairy tale retellings or like mythological mythological right. retellings, yeah, and then but, make but it like gay. but make it gay, right? You know. So <laughs> yes, like yes. this this was like canonically homosexual. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yes. then we wrote the book about it. I love that. No, there yeah, are. I did read some research where they were like, they were just great friends. And I'm like, oh, they always say that. that. I hate that. I mean, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. With my Gilgamesh and Enkidu retelling, I'm getting, I'm reading a lot of that too. And I'm like, yeah. Uh (laughs) Okay. Right. Right. But no, this one was originally, you know, Apollo actually, he had a lot of lovers of different genders and they all ended tragically. So. As they tend to do in, like, especially As, Greek mythologies. Like, oh, oh you're yeah. happy? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> just, that's just, every just wait story. for it. Yeah. You know, and I, I, that definitely influenced the books because when they were coming out and readers were kind of, like, waiting for the next one, when I put out the last one, which is called A Spark of Death and Fury, my readers were like, what are you going to do to all the characters? And I was like, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> we're going Greek. <laughs> we're going Greek. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you a happy ending type of person in real life or do you like the, the tragedy and the darkness? Yes. I like both. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> I Good like bittersweet yes. endings. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you're also writing a cozy fantasy? I am. I'm co-writing Say that with more. a friend of mine, actually. So it's um, kind of just total chaos, which is what our friendship is like. So she writes, she actually writes rom-coms and fantasy romance. And I write like these dark mythology, fairy tale kind of things. So we're kind of blending those together, but it's more humorous and fun. She was like, we're going to sell this to our readers as it's cheaper than therapy from reading your books (laughs) 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 to like recover, you know? Um, But my character that I'm writing that one is Sapphic, which I really enjoy. It's kind of just a very um, side romance for her, but it's still very cute. It has a super cute meet cute, which I didn't write. Actually, my friend wrote it and I was like, that's adorable. (laughs) And I want to go to my husband and be like, why didn't we meet this cute, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know, right? None of us have none of us have stories as good as the ones we could write in books. Right. No, it's it's mm-hmm. better in books. But anyway, it's been a lot of fun. It's been like a palate cleanser in a way to write it and to write it with my friend. Even though I feel like because sometimes we get into Google Docs together and we're both on there. And then we start like chatting about things. Like I was like, did you know Robert Pattinson actually uh, sang one of the songs in the Twilight movie? And she was like, focus. We are working, and Twilight isn't even on our radar. What are you doing? (laughs) Like, this is important information, okay? This is what I can offer to this writing duo. This is what I have, and you knew that when you signed up, so 
<laughs> One of the things I noticed when I was looking into all of your amazing stories is that you have a a theme of found family in a lot of your stuff. And I was going to ask you about that. Like, is there, does that trope really like appeal to you? And why is that? I love found family. Like I love a good romance, but if a book doesn't have romance, but it has an amazing found family, I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, I think part of the reason it speaks to me is, is just real life for a lot of people, for a lot of my friends and some of my family, just, you lose your family, unfortunately, for different reasons. And the people who are your found family end up being, you know, it's just, it can, it makes your life so much better to have that. So I also just love group dynamics. I'm really big on that. Like I said, I grew up in a big family and, you know, we use humor a lot. I'm sure you can't see that. (laughs) My sister sent me some TikTok (laughs) that was like, humor is a coping mechanism for trauma. And I was like, you can just keep that. (laughs) I don't need that. I didn't need to know that. (laughs) But I just think found family is, I mean, it's fun to write for me because I have big friend groups and I that are like found family and I have a big sibling group. I love writing those, but I also just think it's, it's real life. And I think, you know, especially in queer stories that for a lot of people, found family is family. So I love it. I sibling dynamics and found family dynamics are actually my favorite, even more than the romance. I have a, probably a few readers that might listen to this and be like, oh, what? <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, have your siblings read your books? Um, some of them have read some of them. <laughs> and that's good. I don't actually encourage everyone who knows me. A lot of my friends have read my books, though. And they're like, you know, wow, we didn't expect you to write this. And I'm like, you could stop reading them. Like, mm-hmm. we could pretend they don't exist. But they do. They read them and they're very supportive. So. Well, speaking of a support system, I imagine if you are putting out four books in like, what is that, eight months? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that you must have quite the support system behind you to yeah. be able to to do that work and, and go through the editing process. And like, because I, what I am learning through this podcast, even though I've, I've been friends with Maz for years now and I've seen her process from the, this side of it, is just how much work happens after you've written the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know that, that it is actually Natalie, my writing friend that I'm co-writing that book with. And I joke all the time, like about the time that you hate the book and you literally can't stand to read it again is when it's close to finally being done. It's <laughs> just uh-huh. like where you can basically have it memorized. It was so funny because Avella Gods and Kings is about to come out in an audiobook any day now. And um, it's waiting on Audible to review sure. it. But <clears throat> I was listening to it and I was like, wow, the narrator did such an amazing job because I'm actually not like miserable. <laughs> I was able to like recite things though. As he was speaking, I was like, oh, here's the next line. I know, I know this it. line. <laughs> <laughs> but he kept me really entertained. And I was like, that is the highest compliment I can give because I know this book so well. Yes, it is such a process. But for it me, really I'm is. always juggling like, I'm writing one book, I'm researching for the next series, I'm editing one book. And so I rotate what I'm working on, which helps, I think. Yeah, I definitely know the feeling of getting to the point where I cannot stand to look at the work ever again. And I just went through the same thing with uh, my last book, Gardens and Ghosts. When I finally like was done and like my hands were off of it, I was like, if I never read this book again, I'll be happy. Like, I hate it. And then Kurt like gave me the audio to, to proof. And I was like listening to it like I'd never heard it before in my whole life. Like I was like, this is funny. I'm like, bitch, you wrote it. Like, <laughs> it's 
that's me every single time. Yeah. Bitch, you wrote it. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> I know that's like, perfect. It's like a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That I mean, that's exactly how I felt. And I would message my friend Natalie and be like, wow, this is actually funny. And she's like, I know. I told you this book was good. And I was like, I thought you were lying to me to be uh, nice. <laughs> but hearing someone else read it, brain. like, yeah, we might, we might. I think a lot of authors have that brain. I yeah, think that's, you, that's I think fair. you guys are all pretty hard on yourselves. Yeah. We're, oh, mean. Yeah. we're like, we finish a book and we're like, we're crap. We're hacks. This book is garbage. And everyone else is like, no, it's really good. And like, yeah, but you have to say that because we're friends yeah. or something. And then a stranger is mean, like, it's great. And I'm like, they're just being nice. <laughs> like, what is I wrong know. with us? <laughs> they say it's great. And you respond back. Thanks so much. That's nice. But you're thinking like, what's wrong? Like, why did you say mm-hmm. that? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have some amazing readers. The funny, another funny aspect of that is like, by the time that their readers are like, so eager to get it in your hands and they want to message you and talk about it, which I love because I mm-hmm. love hearing from my amazing readers. But you're also just kind of like, the last thing I want to talk about anymore is this book. <laughs> <laughs> like it's been through three rounds of editing and multiple rounds of, you know, arc readers going through it. And so, but yeah. you know, the spark of hearing how excited other people are by the stories is really, it makes it easy to do that. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely keeps me motivated as much as I don't like talking about my own work with people because I feel weird and in my own head about it. It is one of those like it fuels the fire. Like I had somebody message me yesterday just being like this line in this book was really funny. And that just spurred me to like sit down and actually write instead of playing my game. And I was like, this is what I should be doing. So I know I actually keep like a whole file of really encouraging emails or nice messages anyone sent to me. So when I'm feeling low, I like open those and I'm like, that's right. (laughs) that's a a great idea yeah that's that's a great tip and especially because i get some people so for example in a veil of gods and kings apollo's sister temi is arrow ace and i've had so many people message me like she becomes a main character through the series and they're like wow i've never seen myself in a main character role and i just like oh i'm not gonna cry on a podcast but i it gets me so like pumped up where i'm like i am writing stories that matter that give people the ability to see themselves in a story you know and and i think in fantasy especially like everybody should be able to see themselves in fantasy you know it -hmm. just it's it's fantastical we can put everybody in there yeah it's the power of storytelling and it builds empathy too yeah. like as much yeah. as much as i i know i say too for like as much as it's great for the people who finally get to see themselves in a story um usually when that reaction is happening simultaneously someone who's never thought about that type of life is going right. to now think about what it means to be that type of person and to walk through life in a certain way uh and sometimes the fantasy makes it easier to accept that yeah. because you're suspending so much disbelief already that so true. You're willing to accept that, like, oh, well, you know, walking through life as an ace person, I've never put myself in that person's shoes before, and now here I am thinking about it, right. getting that perspective for the first time. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, we love storytelling. I believe in the power of storytelling, and I do. I think it builds empathy in a way that's really important and powerful. I love, I love that, and I think exactly what you're saying. Like, you're kind of suspending and and then you're you're also just you're immersed in that person and I think one thing it helps is you realize that these this person's more like me than unlike me like even if we're not the same we have a lot of the same experiences and feelings and being human you know Mm -hmm. well and especially as a as a reader like you ascribe that 
to the character. Like the author can only do so much work to build a character for a reader. The right. reader does at least 50%, if not more of that work. Oh, sure. By bringing their own perceptions and imagination to what's happening in the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. I mean, especially because I write a lot of retellings. Like one thing I've told readers who will ask me like, why did you change this about this character? You know? And I'm like, realistically, I think everyone who writes a retelling, they get a new character. Yes. It's based on an archetype, a, a person, you know, from thousands of years ago, but realistically you're pouring some of yourself into them. You're pouring some of your life experiences and friends and family into them. And they become someone new. And I think readers definitely do that when they read as well. That, you know, readers will respond to the same character differently. And that's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how we get Jacob, Edward, and Bella. Yeah, you right. It's, it all came back to the, the You know, I mean, are you team Edward or team Jacob? It matters. I'm, like, team, I'm team Alice. I'm ooh. Bella and Alice. Right? Okay, that was the best. I feel like I'm becoming. I'm. I'm seeming like I'm a Twilight stand, and I'm really not. But uh, this is the second time for some reason this this book has come up in our podcast. So <laughs> I was about to say, I'm so like, sorry. Weird okay, theme. but tell me that Bella and Alice. I mean, I'm assuming you saw the movies or read the book at some. Sure, point. sure, sure. Yeah, both. Tell me they don't have the best energy of anybody in the show. That's probably true. Exactly. So you, have, anyway, you don't know it. I don't know. This it. is a, a pop culture oh. blind spot for her, yeah, but that's okay. I have a couple and that's one of them. I know of the like big main tropes and I know certain names, but I don't, I don't know who Alice now is. She's she like, sounds dope though. Alice. Alice is the mm-hmm. best character for sure. I agree. <laughs> nice. I agree. Yeah. We also said on the podcast that like, I would have been more interested if like Edward and Jacob had had a little bit of chemistry. Oh, and you we could have wondered like if, a... like a thruple situation. Oh, right. Like, then I would have been more into it, <laughs> but mostly I was just I like, see that. <laughs> I don't care about that. Just do the fun vampire powers. <laughs> well, so you, so you, so you read for the 5% of the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was yeah, in it yeah. for that okay. much. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, because and, uh, you will relate to this. Like I, and I talked about this already. So apologies to the listeners that you're hearing a story for a second time. But what I related to when I went to see the movie the first time was the mythology that Stephanie Myers created that was right. different from what I had seen before. It was a different take on vampires. And what intrigued me was the world she was building so much more than even the characters that were being created. It was the right. world building that I was like, Oh, I'm into that. And that was enough yeah. to spur me to read the book so that I could learn more about the world building. And like, right. To me, when I read a lot of, especially more academic takes on mythology, like that's mm. much more what it's about. They're not, in my experience, going into deep detail about like thoughts and feelings or no, like, building no, no. out really strong character descriptions. Right. It's about this is what happened and this is what the world was like. And then this person did this. And then these five siblings all got in a fight and this one person... Well, they have to be really careful. I mean, as a person who has actually lived in the realms of academia, discussing mythology and stuff like Mm -hmm. they get quoted and then, you know, there's all these infighting about what you said, you know, right. So they're really dry on purpose. Like they're like, we know this, there was definitely this archaeological dig was done or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. so they, they intentionally don't add. And they also try not to be biased, but it is very dry because of that, you know, so it's a lot of fun to read and write uh, stories that breathe emotion into it. It may be dry, but it is fascinating in its own right. 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 You know, just, just the world building 
that's being constructed by learning all of that history and doing the archaeology. I like, mean, I love it. I think I just told you I've spent the last year and a half just reading like, right. <laughs> you know, Inanna and sexuality in ancient Mesopotamia pre whatever. <laughs> right. So that's, that's the kind of articles I've been reading for two years and I'm enjoying it greatly, but mm. not a lot of, not everybody does. Right. So. So are you a Madeline Miller fan? I love Madeline Miller. Yes. Okay. I read Song of Achilles. Um, oh, I feel like I read that one forever ago. I don't remember when it came out, but I feel like I read it shortly after it came out. And it just, of course, it emotionally devastated me, but also the writing was so beautiful and the world building was so, you know. And I don't know how to pronounce the witch of the other book, so, but I like that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're afraid we're going to say it wrong or Cersei. Eh. Um, I've heard different people pronounce it differently. And I'm like, mm, here I am. I'm positioning myself as an expert on mythology. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Well, <laughs> none of us ever will know how it was pronounced. Oh, good. So that's, that's without true, a time that's machine, true. without a time machine, we cannot figure out how, the, how what they were saying. We mm -hmm. can just do our own thing. Um, yeah, I have to admit that's another blind spot for me. And I've tried to read it just for some oh. reason. It hasn't. It hasn't grabbed me. I'm scared hmm. to read it because I everyone's like, oh, it'll rip uh, your heart out. You should read it. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Like, I, I, I'm worried I'll read it and I probably will. I'll love it and then it'll rip my heart out and then I'll just be devastated for like yeah. two weeks or something. And I was like, I just don't know when I could plan to be sad for that long. <laughs> oh, you're, <laughs> like you're an optimist. Two weeks. Yeah. I'm like, I'm still devastated 10 years later, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, that's what i'm like i don't know you man. Know, i don't know if i have the fortitude to handle something that like brilliant uh, we'll see it is i mean she's really just a genius which makes me think of another book that i listed for the show which was the fifth season by nk jemison just because she's yes, also let's talk about that she's just a genius you know that one won the hugo award and for obvious reasons i don't know if you you've read that one. Oh, i love nk jemison uh, and the fifth season is like what got me into nk jemison Okay. And then like you find out she actually has like a million other books and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, my day is made, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Fifth season was my foyer into her writing also. And, and it's amazing. Just that, that book, first of all, I think it made me late for something because I was reading it in the middle of the day. And then I got to the <laughs> ending and I was like, I don't even care. Like the world will now have to just stop <laughs> without me in it because I am committed to finishing this book. And also the twists and turns in that one. And she also writes, I think, amazing found families and just really mm. um you know her commentary on things about people and social systems and stuff is not on the nose but the more you read it the more you think about it you're like whoa if i was in that position maybe i would make a different decision than morally than i think i would you know it's easy to be kind of on your high stool when you're privileged in a way i don't know it just right. That book just hit me on every level. It hit me like mentally, but also emotionally. <laughs> so one of yeah. my all time favorite books. Yeah. I, I first read it on a beach. I don't oh. I think it was in Mexico. I don't know. It was a family vacation and I did, I knew nothing about the book, but my husband had brought it along and finished it. And he's like, well, I'm done with this. And I was like, all right, I'll grab it. And I read and like was sucked into the world and oh. I didn't want to do anything else for the entire right. time except sit and read. There goes the beach vacation. vacation in Mexico. So you don't even remember mm -hmm. what country now because you're just like, that was the, the book <laughs> was the it, vacation. Well, <laughs> and talk about privilege. I'm like trying to remember which beach vacation it was because my <laughs> right. my in-laws have taken us on two. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 
Which, Which one, one was it? <laughs> yeah, Terrible, but, but. <laughs> an amazing book for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, are there any others that you feel have like have been influences on you as either a person or a writer? <sighs> um, now my mind's going completely blank, but <laughs> I think you asked me this question before the show and I just sent you a list of like some of my favorites in the last year because mm -hmm. I feel like every book I read, even the ones I don't like, I feel like they kind of challenge you, you know, impress on you to some extent, make you think about things. Maybe you think like, I really don't like this book or their perspective of things or whatever, but that's its own thought in a way. <laughs> yeah, um, so true. For whatever reason, one that's sticking out to me right now, and it's not related to anything I write, it's not mythology, but is Delilah Green, is it Doesn't Care? Yes, it's a great book. I mean, um, it's a rom-com, but I think one reason that's sticking out to me is because my background is photography, actually. Well, my background is mythology, but also I did photography and did wedding and newborns for years. And wow. anyway, she's a photographer in that one. And she has this moment where they're standing on this dock and this guy's just being a jerk. And she hands her camera over to the girl that she's interested in. And I, everyone's like, what is she doing? And I was like, as a photographer, I totally know what she's doing. She's about to go shove him in the water and she's not going to risk $20,000 worth of equipment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that book was so funny and just like, I think emotionally resonant also. So anyway, I was like, did that book influence me? I don't know. It clicked to me as a photographer. And I think with my writing, my photography background actually influences it a lot. I think I write about light a lot, which of course with mm. Apollo being the sun god. Right. You know, uh, I think about light in a different way, I think, because of because of photography. So anyway, that makes that so was like sense. a big yeah. rabbit trail. <laughs> I don't think I don't even think it was that much of a rabbit trail. It no, I, it yeah, actually it, it makes perfect path. sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> it all comes together quite nicely. Perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, most of my questions is going to be asking you about mythology and research and stuff because that's just like <clears throat> I'm th same vibe. I love like researching and mythology like I, I love Greek mythology but like ancient Egypt is also like a big like I was that yes. nerdy kid so I was gonna be like what other cool stuff have you been researching well you know it's what's so cool about going back to the Gilgamesh and Enkidu story is that ancient Mesopotamia was the same time period as ancient Egypt but it's not nearly as popular part of the reason because it's been harder to dig in the areas that that is in so it's in what's now modern day Iraq so mm -hmm. there's just been less you know, excavations. Of course, there have been some and stolen stuff and all of that. But ancient Egypt is so pop culture popular. But ancient Mesopotamia is just as fascinating and rich and interesting. And um, so I'm kind of it's just like a crime that it's not as popular as ancient mythology, ancient Egypt mythology. So they just need to do like one big blockbuster movie about it. And then everybody will research then, it. They'll get funding. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> well, there might be some other reasons that we're not just going into Iraq. Well, <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> well, there is a lot of research out there, though. They could totally right. somebody could write like an amazing movie mm -hmm. if they wanted to make it mm -hmm. off my book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> let's, no, go. no, no. Let's put that out in I'm the just universe. Putting that out in the universe. <laughs> go, go, go. Yes. Do, do a whole extended cinematic universe. Of, I know. Of I mean, and it's an interesting myths. story. Love it. Yeah, that'd be great, actually. I mean, we would love to see like a Disney, you know. I was hoping for Frozen 2, you know, with Elsa, but we didn't you, get yeah. that. Yeah. So. I mean, they didn't <laughs> not make her a lesbian. <laughs> That's true. But the, did, they, did you feel like the previews were kind of like, 
I felt queer baited a little bit. I was like, this is definitely. And then it was like, oh, that's actually, they don't even interact. In the previews, it felt like this other woman that was part of the other part of the world. Um, They were, they were giving each other meaningful looks. Yeah. And then, then, no. I mean, am I at all surprised when I'm queer baited by Disney? I am not. I was about to say, I don't think we're ever going to get like a truly queer movie from Disney. I think we will. It just, it's probably 10 to 15 years away still. Yeah. Right. They're they're flirting with it now, and then as attitudes grow and change, they'll get there. I I, right, I right. have to believe they'll get there. <laughs> I think so. Let's put that out in the universe too. We'll just mm-hmm. we'll just chuck yeah. all these great ideas out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as there has been like blowback, I do feel like for the first time maybe that like the majority of the people that I know and a majority of the media that I see is so much friendlier to Mm. queer people. Even if it's not directly depicting them, it's not saying, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. Like, if somebody wants to ship two male characters from a TV show, nobody nobody in PR at that TV show is like, oh my God, we have to shut this down. You know? Right, right. Like, And even that is better than it used to be. True. I think even 10, 15 years ago, like I was talking about the Song of Achilles, like that book was so you know because Mm -hmm. it it did center on a queer couple and and it was just kind of groundbreaking not that there were not other books out but that one became so popular and um now it's just like the if you look at the top 100 or the new york times bestseller list there are books on there in all the list all the time and there's always new ones coming out and so that's I mean, it's great. I do live in the South, so I also have some like skeptical feelings about certain things. Like, I'm like, it is more friendly, and especially like among my friend groups and people I know. But then I'm like, but then I know that, but you know, we'll stay positive because I just feel like the representation is great. And like, my daughter is reading a lot of middle grade fiction. Like, there's so so much rep in middle grade fiction now too, which is great. You know, I think it was slower to move into that. I, yeah, I I choose to remain positive, at least publicly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm dragging I, you down publicly on the podcast. I'm like, it's positive, but also. <laughs> well, no, because it is. It's always going to be uh, the pendulum. We're always going to move yeah. forward and swing back a little bit. I mm-hmm. think we are in a swing back phase right now. I mm-hmm. think there are parts of not even just the country, just like in some groups, it is popular to be anti whatever. Whatever, mm-hmm. right. You know, you want anything yeah. progressive or accepting or tolerant is like, no, we're not yeah. doing that. Yeah. When you can be mad at the concept of being awake, of being oh, being <laughs> woke because like you're you've opened your eyes to something new. Like yeah. if you can yeah. be against that concept, like, you know, we're in a swing back. Mm-hmm. The pendulum yeah, swing, yeah, yeah. swinging back. Right. I, I have to believe that it will it will swing forward uh, again. Mm-hmm. I think the great thing about studying ancient mythology, and actually my husband's a huge history nerd, so he's always studying history, is kind of seeing what you're talking about. Like there is this pendulum, but I, I do think we're progressively moving more towards positive things, you know, more towards equality for others and things. Overall, it swings forward and swings back, but I feel like we slightly move forward mm-hmm. over the course of history. Yeah. Even though there have been times in history where different sexualities and different approaches to relationships were not just tolerated, but were actually just completely common. It wouldn't even have had its own word, you know. 
I was about to say ancient Mesopotamia, and then I was like, you've talked too much about that. But now I'm thinking, so. <laughs> Well, hey, if that's one of the areas where that's happened. And, and, and of course that's true in history. I mean, we know that right. from, from many parts of the world. Right, right. Uh, that, like, and I, 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 to me, like, that's the ideal uh, future that we could reach again, where like, we don't even need to define these things. We don't need to have words for them. Uh, right. We can just be, and nobody would question what type of relationship or relationships or non-relationships you want to be in. Mm-hmm. Right. It would just yeah. be. It's normal. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. So I think that's a great note to end on. Yeah. Nice and positive. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll come back uh, when that other series comes out in the future, if we're still oh, yeah, around to. and doing this. <laughs> Uh, I had a lot of fun chatting and learning more about your process and your history. So, Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much for having me. So growing up, I was a mythology nerd. Mm-hmm. Like I loved especially Greek and Roman mythology. So right. um, it was a lot of fun to chat with uh, Nicole, who is clearly... Uh, way more knowledgeable than yeah, I am. Like that it was a little well intimidating to try to be like, um, I like that. I like it too. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's well it's fun too to like be able to talk to somebody who's so passionate about something. Like mm-hmm. I love asking people about things that they like that's their jam so right. much that they can just like word vomit forever. But yeah, I, I wasn't as much of like a mythology nerd on that part of the world. So I was just like, I just wanted you to like keep talking right. forever and teach me right. things yeah. so yeah so you can pick up a veil of gods and kings uh right now and that includes the audiobook which has come out since we had the interview uh we talked about it in the interview uh there are three more books in nicole's apollo rising series that are also out for you right now um and at the time of this recording nicole has not yet revealed the cover for the cozy fantasy that she talked to us about uh and that she co-wrote Um, But that's only more of a reason to go follow her on social media. All her links are going to be in the show notes for this episode, Mm -hmm. um, as will ours. So make sure you're connecting with us. Uh, Let us know your thoughts on romance and erotica and how that may have changed your personal philosophy uh, or attitudes about sex. We'd love to hear from you in the comments, uh, in DMs, or via email. And as always, we encourage you to go check out our Patreon uh, and sign up at the Dear Reader or Dear Listener level to get our bonus episodes and a bunch of other perks. Yeah. So we will be back next week. Yep. Same time, same channel. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.